Welcome to the evening episode of Honey in the Rock. We hope you've had a great day and we've got a great show ahead for you. Stick with us. This evening's episode is titled, To Whom Will Ye Liken Me and Make Me Equal? It shall be focused on a study of Isaiah chapter 46. Before we go any further, we'll begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for Thy Word, which has taught us that You bring near Your righteousness, and it shall not be far off, and it shall not tarry. We thank Thee, Lord, that You've placed it for Your glory in Israel. And we look, Father, and say, we thank Thee that it's Your righteousness, not our righteousness. So we don't come before Thee and try to give You an offering of our good deeds like Cain, the fruit of his labor, but we come and we accept the provided way through the Lamb. Have your way through our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to Isaiah chapter 46. Chapter 46 Bel boweth down, Nebo stoopeth. Their idols were upon the beasts and upon the cattle. Your carriages were heavy loaden. They are a burden to the weary beast. They stoop. They bow down together. They could not deliver the burden, but themselves are gone into captivity. Hearken unto me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, which are borne by me from the belly, which are carried from the womb. And even to your old age I am he, and even to hoar hairs will I carry you. I have made, and I will bear, even I will carry, and will deliver you. To whom will ye liken me? and make me equal, and compare me, that we may be like. They lavish gold out of the bag, and weigh silver in the balance, and hire a goldsmith, and he maketh it a god. They fall down, yea, they worship. They bear him upon the shoulder, they carry him, and set him in his place, and he standeth. From his place shall he not remove, yea, one shall cry unto him. Yet can he not answer, nor save him out of his trouble? Remember this, and show yourselves men. Bring it again to mind, O ye transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executeth my counsel from a far country. Yea, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. Hearken unto me, ye stout-hearted, that are far from righteousness. I bring near my righteousness. It shall not be far off, and my salvation shall not tarry. And I will place salvation in Zion for Israel my glory. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon by Reverend William Branham titled, Trying to do God a service without it being his will. This was preached in 1965 on November the 27th. We'll begin at paragraph 142 up to paragraph 265. I trust you find it to be a blessing. As I heard Brother Perry Green, our pastor Tucson, preaching the other night about how that God made things some way, I forget what his text was, but he said, that's the way God likes it. That's the way God does it. Well, that's right. Now, who is it among us that's going to tell him he's wrong? Who would dare to stand up in God's face and say, you're wrong, Lord. You should do it the way I want it done. The way Dr. So-and-so said it should be done. Who is that far gone in their mental faculties to say a thing like that. No, you wouldn't come out and say it, but you think it. Like on my message of the Antichrist, there shall rise false Christ. Now, I didn't say false Jesus. See, nobody would stand still to be called Jesus in the term of the Lord. But false Christ means the anointed. Oh, they, each one thinks he's got anointing. Glory to God, he can do this and do that. But put him on the word test. Yeah. 
find where he comes out at this. Or the message of the hour. They had anointing in the time of Jesus, but not on him. The anointing in time, even Dathan had anointing in the time of Moses. He said, now, don't you think you're the only holy one among us? God's got plenty. We'll just start an organization here, a group of men. God said to Moses, separate yourself from him. And he opened up the earth and swallowed them up. He had given his original word to Moses, his prophet. That's the only way he ever did do it and the only way he ever will do it. He doesn't change his plan. So our ideas is wrong. His ideas are right. Always. And don't try to tell him that he's wrong. No matter who we think is best qualified, it isn't us to say who's best qualified. That's where you get in the organization. Some little brother filled with the Spirit will go into a city and build up an organization, build up a, a nice group of people, and at the conference they'll meet and all the holy brethren get along, you know, and say, you know what? I believe little Jones here, he's just a little pick among them. I think he ought to have that nice big tabernacle, I think. Don't you think that's right? No, my, there he goes. And then the congregation scattered. See? Separate these. God does the separating. He's the one who does it. But they all, each one wants to take this little one and put him over here and this one down here. That's man's idea. Man has the keys, but God holds the keys, actually. They give the disciples, the holy church, the keys. And watch for the first time they used it. When Judas had fell by transgression, they got together and cast lots. And the holy brethren, who would say they wasn't a holy brethren? Who would say they wasn't holy? But they cast lots and it fell on Mathenus and when he... What did he ever do? Nothing. But Paul was the elected one. Amen. That was God's choosing. A little hook-nosed, sarcastic, hot-tempered Jew. Not the Messenius, the D.D., you know, he, he was... It's Paul. God chose Paul. The church chose, chose Messenius. You have no right to tell God he's wrong. He knows what to do. He knows what man's made out of. Who would ever, that church ever chose Paul? Oh, no. Never. It said that guy's the one putting us all in jail. But God said, I'll show him what he'll suffer for me. You know what? All right, no matter who we think is right, God knows who's best qualified because he knows the heart of man. He knows. Nor does the revival or does these things happen at the time that we think they ought to happen. We think it's just time right now, glory to God, I notice in our chapters and so forth of the business, man, there's coming right away, hallelujah, great revival. Don't be deceived. He has already come and they did to him what was left. But they think there's a revival. Is it happening? No. It's done. It's dead. It's over. Notice. This is lamp trimming time. Coming out and going in. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Notice here in our text. Notice David, king of Israel. He was the one who got the revelation of bringing the ark of God back to his place. That they never consulted it in the days of Saul. Because Saul had backslid. So they never consulted the ark at all, the covenant, in the days of Saul, because he had backstood and got away from God. So David quickly, with inspiration, now I notice this, it's a very treacherous text if you don't get it right. And I feel that the hour is coming where we should be man instead of baby. We should have strong meat instead of milk. Notice David, king of Israel. The king had just been freshly anointed the king, or elected king. Saul, Samuel, anointed him by the will of God, and he was absolutely God's chosen king. No doubt to it. Here he is, an inspiration strikes him. It was revealed to David. He got the revelation. Nobody else had said nothing about it. Let us go and fetch the ark, because that's the will of God. That we have the ark here with us, that we can salt God by this ark. Very, very gallant thing, don't you think so? All right. Remember, 
But him being king and got the revelation, he overstepped his place. There was a prophet in the land by the name of Nathan. He was the one that was ordained to get the revelation. There's anything to be spoke. He said, the Lord doeth nothing until he reveals it to his servants, the prophets. But to see David being king with the anointing up on him, now is that the scripture? Anointing up on him and got a true revelation. But it was wrong. Because Nathan was the prophet of that age and the revelation never come to Nathan and when the revelation come to David, he never even consulted Nathan about it. He's just going to go ahead and do what he wanted to do. But notice who David consulted here in the 13th chapter. But he consulted the captains of thousands and of hundreds back to his congregation. Now, don't you think we should... That isn't it. Now, he was trying to do God a service, but he wasn't ordained to do it. Because God had a way. Just the same as God could have spoke to the, uh, the uh, king about his sword is getting well. But he didn't. He had an ordained way of doing it. That was his prophet. So he spoke to the prophet. Isaiah told him to go back and tell Hezekiah what would happen. Now, Hezekiah was talking face to face with God. And, and God could talk to Hezekiah, of course. But he made certain channels. You understand it? God has his own set way of doing things. Sending revivals, talking, speaking, whatever it is, he has his way of doing it, and we are nobody to tell him how to do it. He does it the way it pleases him to do it. So you see David being inspired. Now, you remember I said the anointing, the false anointing? Remember the Holy Spirit can come and anoint a person and still it's out of the will of God. Here it proves it right here. We have to go through God's way of doing it. Not our ways, God's way of doing it. Because David, being a king, anointed. Anointed with the Spirit of God upon him. A type of Jesus Christ. But that wasn't God's channel. And all the congregation, it pleased them, the Bible says. Notice, captains of thousands and of hundreds. Also the priests and theologians thought that was wonderful. There is your Bible schools and everything else. They thought it was wonderful. Even all the people agreed, and the priests and, and all of them agreed that the king's anointing was right. Notice, but God had not promised to reveal his word in its seasons to them. God had his way of revealing his word, but not to them. Remember, it was contrary to God. Something like in the days of Micah, the son of Imlin. Do you remember that story? Judah and Israel were separated. And they had two different kingdoms. And Ahab was a king over one kingdom, and Jehoshaphat was over the king kingdom of Judah, I believe it was. And Ahab was over Israel, Jerusalem. Notice. And then here come in a bunch of aliens and took off part of the God-given land that God had given to Israel. And these Philistines up there, or Syrians, were holding that ground and were feeding their own children off of the ground that belonged to Israel. And so they needed that ground to feed their own children and their own families. God gave them, that was their God-given right. And so Ahab calls down Jehoshaphat and said, come down. He said, look at there what our enemy's doing. Is it right that we, the people of God, with a God-given right that we should have this land? It belongs to us. God, through his prophet Joshua, divided this land. 
It should be ours. It belongs to us, to our children. And here the communists has took it over. And we have, we're hungry. And they've got our God-given rights. Don't you think that we should go up there and take our land back? If you join your forces, if you Methodists and Presbyterians are all, and Presbyterians and Lutheran and so forth, all take the ecumenical council here now, we'll all sit together and we'll take the thing. I'm saying and speaking in a terrible now. We'll go get it. Why, well, I said, certainly we're all one. Now, the Bible said, how can two walk together except they be agreed? There were that great man, that great Pentecostal man, Jehoshaphat, got mixed up with the wrong crowd. And that's what's happened to our Pentecostals today. There's some real men in there, but they're mixed up in that denominational crowd. Get out of that thing! It's cursed of the Lord. Notice now. There he was. And he said, yes, that sounds reasonable. He said, our church is yours, our people. After all, we're all Jews. Sure, we'll work with you. But is this enough religion left in Jehoshaphat to say, don't you think we should consult the Lord first? I think it'd be a good idea. Why, Ahab, of course, said, why, sure, I should have thought of that. Well, is there a man of God somewhere? Have you got a prophet? Oh, I got 400 of them. I got the whole council down here, the whole denomination. They're a Hebrew prophet. I remember the Bible said they were prophets. Hebrew prophets, not heathen prophets, Hebrew prophets. A school of them, a theological seminary. Well, bring them up. And the kings dressed themselves and set before them to impress the prophets. And here come, I believe, Zedekiah come up, the great chief of the district councilman or whoever what he was, come up there among them. He made himself two big horns. He said, I have heard from God, thus saith the Lord. With these horns you'll push the Syrians out of the land. Oh, glory. Everybody thought that was wonderful. Fine. Watch how close it gets to that razor aid now. Between right and wrong. Remember, it'll fall on one or the other side. And it comes down sometimes like a honed razor. Between the difference of right and wrong. It's got to be every word of God. Not just almost every word, but every word. And it's got down today, not to Lutheran, not to Methodist, not to Pentecostals, but to that honed age. In this age where this, the Antichrist anointing is so perfectly, it would deceive the very elected they'll fall on the wrong side if they don't watch. Like a wedge. Watch. Be careful. We're not living in a Pentecostal age now. We're past that age. Just the same as we've passed Luther. Notice. Now, the prophets all prophesied. 400 of them well fed, well fixed. Hebrew prophets gave them witness, one accord, thus saith the Lord. What? The Lord is with you. Jehoshaphat said, well, that, that sounds all right. But said, have you got another one? Another one? We got the whole denomination here. We got the whole council gathered out here. Why do we need another one? He said, oh, but I thought maybe there might be another one. He said, oh, yes, there is another one. But he don't even belong to this council. He's an outcast. It's Micah, the son of England, and I hate him. But they won't receive him in the fellowship. And he's just a common outcast to begin with. And he's constantly, everything he prophesies, he just won't encourage my seminary a bit. And he does all these things evil. He's always prophesying evil against me. Just to be different. Oh, Jehoshaphat said, don't let the king take such a thing as that. But I'd like to hear what this man's got to say. He said, well, we'll find him. So they sent out some word in the wilderness. And they sent a man and said, told him, said, now, on your road back. Now, I want to tell you something. Uh, you want to get back in the denomination again? Do you want to have fellowship with all of them again? If you do, say the same thing the district president said. Say the same thing the bishop said. And they'll bring you right back. Now it's the time to do it. But could you imagine an anointed true prophet of God compromising on one word of God? No, indeed. He said, as the Lord lives, I'll only say 
care what God says. We need a son of England. As the Lord lives, I'll always say what he says. What he says. So when they got down there before the people, all the prophets, they said, Now you say that. He said, Wait, give me tonight. Let me see what the Lord's going to say. So that night the Lord appeared to him in a vision and told him what to say. The next morning he said, What do you say? Emlyn, when he's all standing out, I mean, uh, uh, Micah, son of Emlyn, said, What do you say now? We're all here together, all the priests and all the prophets and all the kings and everything sitting here together. What do you say now at this great council? He said, Go on up. He said, But I've seen Israel scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And they have said, What did I tell you? That renegade can only prophesy evil against me. How could he say anything else when God was saying the same thing? A prophet's supposed to be the mouth of God speaking. Not his own thinking. He, he speaks. He's completely yielded to God. He don't want to hurt nothing, but he has to say what God says. Because he has no control of it himself. He said, now, didn't I tell you? And then up come the, the big man with the horns. And smacked him in the mouth. He said, which way went the Spirit of God when it went out of me? In other words, let me try to break that down. Look here. Uh, look here. I want to tell you something, Micah. Do you realize that I am a master in the Scriptures? Do you realize that I have the anointing or the baptism we say today? Do you realize that I have that? He said, I'm not doubting that. He said, but listen, the Spirit of God has told me and bore witness with all my 400 here that we're going to push the Syrians out of the land. And who are you to come around and say that our great king is going to be slain? He said, the Spirit of God told me that. Let me just break it down until you understand it. And maybe we find Micah says, Last night in the vision, sir, I saw God sitting up on the throne. And I saw all the hosts of heaven gathered around him. And they were having a council in heaven. They said, Who can we get to go down and deceive Ahab? Because under the throne here, is a prophet, a true prophet. His name is Elijah. And he has prophesied by my word and said that that wicked Ahab, because he slew Naboth, the dogs will lick the blood of that wicked man. And we've got to make that come to pass because it's already been spoken. It's thus saith the Lord. It has to come to pass. Got to be there. And how are we going to do it? Then down from the creeping regions of the lost. Way down in there come a spirit moving up. He said, I'm a deceiver. If I can do a service to you, I'll go down and get his prophets. Because they were so organized, they'll only understand one thing, and that's a little emotion. And I'll cause them to prophesy a lie. And I'll get Ahab to listen to those dignitaries instead of your real prophet. Because he'll examine everything he says with your word. He'll examine his visions by the word. He'll examine everything he does by the word. If it ain't with the word, he wouldn't listen to it. But if it's, I can deceive these others, and I'll, Ahab's got so much confidence in that great unity together of their safety. So they go around together and they'll get together and I'll cause Ahab to listen to them go out there and that's how we'll do it. God said, you can do it. You're a real deceiver. You go on down. And then Zedekiah smacked him in the mouth. Said, where was you? He said, you'll find out when you're sitting in the inner cell. He said, go up, said Zedekiah to the king. Say, go up and return in peace. Ahab said, take that fellow and put him into the prison. Put him in shackles, beat him bread of sorrow and water of sorrow. 
And when I returned back with my victory from that year, which my prophets has told me that this revival was sure to happen, that I'll stand to that fellow, listen to Micah's last words to that man. If you return at all, then God never spoke to me. See, God has his way of doing things. These men thought they were doing God a service. Be careful. Not emotion, not enthusiasm, not imagination, but it must be thus saith the Lord. It must be right. All right. No matter. We find these things so. Notice. Now when David had made this great proclamation, and it seemed like that it was good, a good thing to do, then we find out that, uh, am I tiring you? Am I too late? Uh, this made this great proclamation. He consulted not the prophet. Now, anyone knows that Amos 3, 7 said that God promised that he would never do nothing until first he revealed it to his prophet. Through the church ages, we've had reformers that promised the Malachi 4 that there would be a prophet in our land in the last days because it has to fit that pattern before the end time comes. Before Jesus comes, the first Elisha comes. Elisha of Malachi 3. Matthew 11 says so. If you can understand it, this is who was spoken of. Behold, I send my, uh, my messenger before me. Now he's prophesied all theologians see that, that in the last day the spirit of Elisha is to come too. It has to come five times. God uses that spirit. Elisha, Elijah, John the Baptist for the Gentile church and then for the Jews, uh, uh, Revelation 11 chapter. That's God's G-R-A-C-E-F-A-R-T-H-J-E-F-U-S-G the, the letter five. Can't stop at four. Let's go to five. Notice. Now, he promised that. So that sets the Bible just exactly to this day in the Sodom and Gomorrah. And Elijah was not, that wasn't Elijah. That was the Spirit of God on Elijah. Elijah was just a man. Now, we've had Elijah's and Elijah's coats and Elijah's mantles and Elijah's everything. But the Elijah this day is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is to come, according to Matthew 17, uh, Luke 17, 30. He is the Son of Man is to reveal himself among his people. Not a man, God. But it will come through a prophet. Now, he never had two major prophets at the same time. Never in the world. See, no matter how much these two, two heads, can't, it has to be one head. God has to get one man under his control. There's one God. There was Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, but one God over it all. Notice, they just used them offices. So has he with Elijah, the spirit of Elijah. He used that spirit, but the same God controlling it all the time to fulfill his word. Now, notice in this now. David thought he had everything in order, and he was inspired. See how the Holy Spirit can anoint a man? But it's got to be in the order of the anointing. The outside spirit can be anointed with the Holy Ghost and the soul is darkest pitch. The cockle bird grows on the same water that Bill puts life into the wheat, puts life into the cockle bird. But at the bottom of the cockle bird, it's a cockle bird life. It's rejoicing and blooming and got life and doing everything that the wheat does. But the soul of it is cockle bird. False teachers can rise teaching all kind of Trinitarianism and everything else, and be anointed with the Holy Ghost and perform just as many miracles as the true gospel can. But by the word, that's what does. You know what I mean? Now, it's all right to teach this, I guess. I'm, I'm in an interdenominational tabernacle this morning. In this hotel here. Notice. Watch what we're saying. Now, listen. David had all the emotions that the real revival had. Notice, they shouted. They screamed. They danced. They really got something out of that anointing. Sure it is. All like a real revival. But you notice, God was not in it. God was not in it. You had a prophet sitting right there in the land that they ought to know. David should have known it. Something today, we got all the mechanics, like the great denominations, 
crusades of our times, but the results turning out the same as it was then. Our results of our great crusades and all of our big fineries and our big buildings and our big building thousands and adding members and things, it turns out the same way. All a flock. I'm not saying that to be different. I'm saying that to be honest before God, whose book I'm standing by this morning. All turns out a flop. Same result. Now, let us see what happens when God in his time and age and his prophets are not considered. Just depend on theology, priests, denominationalism, like we do today. Close. Uh, it all gets messed up. If the true Spirit of God there, it'll direct it into the Word. Not just one place in the Word, the entire Word for the entire age. The day of Pentecost, the Spirit directed it right into that, the Joel 2.38. The day of Luther, it directed it right into that. Wesley, in this last Pentecostal move, but this is another age. This is the calling out of the bride. Not 2,000 years ago of Pentecost or the repeat of the return. Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was in Luther. The Holy Spirit was in Wesley. It's God's Word being anointed. And the Holy Spirit returned to the people of the age, and they began to have the restoration of the gifts. They found out, uh, yielding themselves to God, the Holy Ghost spoke in tongues through them. They laid their hands on the sick, and they were recovered. They danced in the Spirit. See, that was the age of the Reformation bringing the church back into order. And the last order of the church was placing the gifts into the church. Like Luther, place justification. Wesley, place state sanctification. Pentecost, place the gifts. But what did they do? The same mistake as nature has patterned to the weak stuff, they denominated, which is against God, contrary to God. Now, we find out that when then when these stuff-gethers comes together, they form their own idea. No matter when the new issue, as they call it, come forth out of the assemblies of God, what did they do? They couldn't receive it. No matter how much truth it was, the baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, they were already the general council. Man had done took it over. The Spirit had done left it. Huh? And then this come forth, I've talked to some of your best leaders. They say, well, what would we do now? They would embarrass themselves. When they know it's the truth. If they don't, they're spiritually blind and eager to the Bible. Not saying that nasty now. Saying that reverently. Because there's not a place in the Bible where anybody was ever baptized using those titles, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And never was used to let the ecumenical council, the Roman Catholic Church, their own catechism witnesses the same thing. It's a Catholic dogma. Not a Bible doctrine, but a Catholic dogma. New Methodists brought out your catechisms and everything is like they had, just gradually growing out of it. But now when you come to Pentecost and spread out some of those dogmas you still held on to, but now is the bride calling. Now it's when the seven seals has been opened. Now when the complete things that the reformers left has to be opened, and only Malachi 4 can do that because it takes the revelation straight from God to an individual to do so. Amen. It can't come to a group. Never did. One man. That's why God promised in the shadows of the coming for his bride. An Eloisan. Notice. When priests, ministers, and so forth get their own inspiration and truly anointed, David was anointed. The Bible said so. But you see, he went to the wrong resource. He went to the wrong channel. He channeled his anointing on the wrong side to the people in what they thought, to the captain what they thought, instead of to God's holy channel to find out what thus saith the Lord was. Is this the time for this? Is this the season for this? Is this the will of God? Then if he's a true prophet of God, he'll go before God first. Say, Father, what is it? Like Nathan did later on to David. 
David said, is it right to me to live in a house of cedar and the ark of my God under tents out here? And look at Nathaniel. said, David, do all that's in your heart. For God is with you. You're an anointed vessel of God. But that being a prophet and his mistake and God's duty bound to his prophet. That night he appeared to him and said, go tell my servant David. I admire his courage. I love him for this because he's a man after my own heart. And I know it's time that my heart would be that way, put under something, but I just, it ain't the season for it to happen. I'll let his son do it, but I won't let him do it. Then here comes Nathan with dust. Here's the Lord, David. The great revelation you had is as long as it was when you brought the ark up. Don't you do it. Don't try it. God said he had your son to do it. There you are. David was anointed to say that because beforehand he could sit just as Abraham sought for a city on the earth here where he's looking for it because he's going to live here someday. Abraham is in that city. And he went around looking for it. And right on the same grounds where he looked, it was just above him then. And we'll return in the millennium and he'll live in that city. But being a prophet, he was ordained and inspired. He knew there was a city somewhere. And he was looking for it. But you see, the whole revelation that was hid from him, it wasn't for his age. Went down to John, where he started coming down from God out of heaven. That was the thing. See, everything has to be in its season. You plant your wheat in the spring or in the fall and cut it the next summer. It's got to come up through the stalk, got to come up through the tossle and shuck on into the... It's got to be in season. All nature runs in continuity. The Spirit of God made nature. And all of God and nature is in continuity. All the things that's put in the temple was a pattern of what he saw in heaven. You see a tree struggling, trying to live. That means there's a tree that don't die. You see a man struggling for life. It shows that there is a tabernacle waiting somewhere that don't die. If this earthly tabernacle be dissolved, we have one already waiting. The good Heavenly Father permitted me to walk behind that curtain one day and see it. How many heard this? So it was Looking past the curtain of time. There it was, just the same as I'm preaching to you all. There they stood. Souls under the altar crying, How long? Not just a myth, somebody who had intelligence. How long, Lord? Why we feel that now is our age. Like Brother Bill Dow sitting here at 93, there's something longing for that young man again. There's something we give anything. How would like to, Brother Jack and all the rest of us, go back, Brother Hill, hold your hair, and to that young manhood. What do we want to do it for? To be young and run around again? No, sir. Because we feel we'd have more time to glorify this God that we love. But my dear brother and I have this message this morning. There is a land beyond the river that they call it sweet forever. There we'll glorify him to the ages and all the ages eternal. Why do we feel that? Because the deep is calling to the deep. And as long as the deep's a calling, there's got to be a deep to respond to that call. There would be no call. Before there can be a creation, there has to be a creator first to create the creation. Oh, no, that shows the very evidence that there is. Notice these priests all out of line. Notice the anointing. All right. Nothing wrong with anointing. Same with you, Pentecostals. But watch what channel you're moving in now. The day has changed since Pentecost. Something else is going If there had been no prophet in the land, perhaps David would have been right. But there stood Nathan, vindicated, ordained, witnessed by God to be a prophet. Watch. The ark in the Bible always is a type of the word to us because it was the word of God in the ark. And was notice the ark that they brought up. Look how they did it. It was not put in its original God-ordained position. Now, God said, back here in the laws, that it was how it must be done, how this ark must be moved and who it must be moved by. But David, under his anointing, my brother, don't you miss this, and my sisters, you who want to be women preachers and so forth, don't you miss this? No matter how much your anointing is, you've got to get in God's provided position. David's anointing was all right. But in doing it, he got in 
Jesus had stepped over the boundary line. What did he do? He stepped over the boundary line. Instead of putting the ark in its original position, he carried it on a new cart and not over the hearts of the Levites. It was supposed to be carried on the shoulder of the Levites, which is over the heart. The word is not in the mind, it's in the heart. Not on a new cart. What was that? Some represented something new. David did that, spoke of every denomination that ever be. God's word is not to be but carried by state presbyters or bishops and so forth of denominations. It's the baptism of the Holy Ghost in the heart of man and not in some ecclesiastical move. The Holy Spirit is a treasure of God's love in the heart of men and women to obey. See, on the shoulders of his ministers, his ministers was the Levites, put it up over their left shoulder and packed that ark like that because it was up over their heart. They had the burden of the word on their heart. Amen. Now you got the burden of your denomination on your heart. The burden of your congregation, whether you go to build this or do that or do something else. The burden of how many more you go to give to your denomination. Instead of the burden of the word of the Lord, that that people will see only the word of God and nothing else. But you got on a new cart now, see. They're packing up your ecumenical council even. Shoulders. I don't want to get critical. May God help me. I just tell you the truth. Now, influenced by creeds and ecumenical councils, the word, the real word of the season of that age was ignored because they had a lot of emotions. The David, the anointed king, he was king, but he was anointed king. You say, I'm a minister anointed, then stay a minister. Don't try to be a prophet. If you're evangelist, stay evangelist. Remember, Uzziah, in the days of Isaiah, the young king, the young prophet, Uzziah was a great man, anointed man. God bless him. Bless his family. I'll preach on that to you here one time. And one day he got so highly up that he thought he could just take the office of a priest. And he took the fire and went in before the Lord and the and priest told him, Don't do that, you Zion. But he got exalted. The prophet couldn't tell him nothing. The priest knows their order. They're keeping their order. He said, That's not your order, you Zion. Don't do that. Well, he said, Shut up. And he went with the with fire in the offer, take a priest's job. He was anointed king, not a priest. And those priests were trying to tell him, you're a wonderful king. You're anointed. God has blessed his body, but you're a king, not a priest. You pastors should never tell a prophet what to do. Amen. Hallelujah. Or you evangelists tell a pastor. Each one has his office if it is perfectly identified. Amen. So he went in with the farmer, stricken down with leprosy and died. Now here's David king. David's trying to do the same thing here. He's taking it upon himself. Well, that's fine. Got to go look around the people. What do you say, Captain? You have 10,000. Glory to God, David. I feel the Spirit. Oh, it is. You feel it. What do you think, David? You feel it? Glory to God. It's all over me. Let's check it and see if it's right. Let's see. Where's the ark belong? With us. Belongs among us. Who should we consult? Sure. The ark. It's the same thing as that ground belonged to the Israel instead of the Philistines. Right. They belong to it. It's I feel the anointing too. The captains of hundreds, all the congregations. Glory to God. They clapped and they shouted and they danced and jumped up and down. They had the spirit. What do you think Father was thinking? How about sent Nathan, that prophet down there? They know what to do and so does David. But now he's just all enthused and stepped out over his boundary line. Went to do this. All right. Notice. Carried on the shoulders with God's original plan. There is five must. I want you to put these down. I see you're right. And it's 
20-something minutes after 10, so I'll try these two by 11 if possible. I'll hurry as quick as I can. No matter how sincere a man may be in doing God a service, no matter how sincere, how much anointed, how much of a Presbyterian, Baptist, Pentecostal, no matter whether you are a bishop, deacon, whatever you are, pastor, evangelist, prophet, whatever it might be, there's five must that must be considered first. No matter how much anointing, how good it seems, how the people shouting, everything the spirits are doing, there is a must. Now, my brother and while you're getting your paper ready, can you understand now why? Now, remember, you've all thought and it's been taught among you, not, see, I'm speaking across the nation, that I did not believe in speaking in tongues. I do believe in speaking in tongues. But you can still speak in tongues and not have the Holy Ghost. First Corinthians 13 says, Though I speak with tongue of man and angel, I ain't nothing yet. See? That's the anointing of the Holy Ghost. That has nothing to do with the soul inside you. You can speak in tongues and deny the word. I see it done, you see it too. A woman can preach the gospel and speak. They can do all the cut their hair and still shout and speak in tongues and everything else. Exactly right. You got to line up with the truth of the word. No, no matter how sincere a man may be, no matter how great he's used of God, no matter what he is, he must be this, must be the thing that he's speaking of, must be timely by the Bible. Somebody said, well, Moses back there. I know what Moses did, but that's not what God's doing today. Well, back there 30 years ago, Luther said, that might be fine, but that's not what he's doing today. Well, 40 years ago, Pentecost fell, but that's not what he's doing today. It must be timely. It must be according to the Scripture. It must be in season, secondly. Thirdly, and it must be according to the way that God's Word spoke it would be. I said, glory to God, the Holy Ghost fell on me, hallelujah, just like it did on the day of Pentecost, but that might be different today. It fell on David too, didn't it? Sure it did. It fell on Uzziah. But it was wrong. See, you've got to go deeper than that. you got to go deeper than that. I don't feel hurt, just, just be reverent. And notice, and it also must come to the man of God's choosing. Not a denominational choosing, not a people choosing, but according to God's choosing. And if it's a message from God, of a great revelation from God, it must come to His prophet. Now, if you want the scripture of that, it's Amos 3, 7. Now, it must. There's five things it must be. It must be in season. It must be at the time God said it would be. It must be written in the Word of God. It must be in the season of God's time. And it must be by God's choosing. And God doesn't need any of us to interpret His Word. God is His own interpreter. He don't need our seminaries. He don't need our wisdom. It's nonsense. See? Eve got that. And missed the interpretation by her wisdom. Say, oh boy, that guy's a smart man. Well, that don't mean a thing. Sure. Ahab was a smart man. Belteshazzar was a smart man. Satan was most cunning and crude. Subtle. None of you could withstand him. Not at all. I don't depend on no, no wisdom. Just depend on God. How is God? He is the Word. And then how does God interpret His own Word? Listen close now. Don't miss these things. How does God interpret His own Word? By making it come to pass. Not just one here, but all of it for that season. Not saying, no, go out and preach and inspire but build an ark. Put doors in it. Fix it this way and that way. What if you put the door on top instead of the bottom? What if you put the window on the bottom and the door on top? See? It's got to be instructed according to the time because that's exactly what God's going to use it for. It must be that way. And it must come by 
inspiration. I heard a guy say one time, said, I believe that man prays for the sick, I believe it's fine. But as being a prophet, said, I believe he's God's prophet. But as a teacher, why well, he's a Jesus only. What a what kind of a person would you call that? A man doesn't know what he's talking about. The very word prophet means that he is a revealer of the word of God. The interpretation only comes to that. And that's why today we are in such a need of this great person that's supposed to be sent to us in the form of the prophet Elijah because it'll be the revelation of God made known to us by vindication. Showing that it's the day and the hour and the season that God promised it to be in. And remember, he'll be spoken against. Always has been. Always will be. Rejected just like the shuck will pull. First, you'll be accepted because the shuck only holds the wheat until it's able to get forth the sun. Pentecost will only shelter the message, give it an open door until it gets scattered. Then the shuck will pull away and the wheat will lay in the presence of the sun. We're right. There won't be any denomination. You just remember, Brother Jack here is the historian. Many of you here are. There's never been a revival, but about three years after the revival, they started a denomination on it. Is that right? And this last great miracle move of God in this last days, it's went 20 years and it's a million miles from a denomination. Going further away all the time, the shucks pull it away, no cooperation, no nothing with it. Always it pulls away from it. They can't be no more, it's the wheat now. But we're plenty green. Right. But to lay in the presence of the sun to be mellowed up. That's all of it. Plenty green. We haven't got the sincerity, the sacredness, the thing we ought to have in our midst. To know that the Spirit of the living God, moving in His Word and showing us the things yet. We have false impersonators rise up. What's that to do to deceive? The Bible said they would. As Jambres and Jambres withstood Moses, so will these in the last days. Do the same. They come right along impersonating it just as exactly. Be careful. What's the doctrine of the Bible? What's the message that follows them signs? Still the same old school message? Forget it. God sent the miracles and signs to attract the attention of his people. When Jesus comes, this healing is sick and so forth, so did the prophets. They thought, oh, glory, he's coming. He's going to be a Pharisee. He's going to be a Sadducee. But he said, you generation of serpents and vipers. Said, you of your father, the devil, his work should do. That except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, there's no life in you. He didn't explain it. He didn't have to explain it. Hallelujah. That was for another season. He just said what he had to say. I always do that what's pleasing to the Father, and that's keeping his word. If I don't, my life and my works don't compare with his word I'm supposed to do, then don't believe me. I'm not him. But if it does, then believe the works. If you can't believe me, he said. Notice now, these must, it must be done. Now, See, God had not revealed a thing to them by his provided way. He had revealed it by inspiration, but it was in the wrong channel. The inspiration will go fine, but if it's in the wrong channel, it'll be channeled wrong. Like you take a bullet and shoot it directly to a target. It's making its way right to the target, but a puff of wind can blow it out. Now, on your automobile, you go down the road 60, 70 miles an hour, and a puff of wind blows you, you can straighten your wheels back up, throw it back in the road again, but you can't a bullet. And it doesn't straighten its wheels up. It misses the target. See? It must travel in its original channel. So must the Word of God travel in its original channel. No little puff of wind is going to blow it off. No little denomination is going to blow it off. No little persecution is going to blow it off. It's directed to the point. It's going to hit there too. And then God, when it hits that point, God will vindicate it. Bulls on. Exactly what he said. If you hear it in the Scripture, this Thus saith the Lord, it shall come to pass. Here it is. There you are. As we get towards the end of this episode, we end with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank thee for thy word and for speaking to us. May the words that we've heard percolate to the depths of our souls and spring forth to everlasting life. Lord, may you uproot all evil out of us and all unbelief out of us that we might be found blameless before thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement.
We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, would really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you.
Dios.